Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. I personally don't think a fertilized egg should have more rights than an adult woman. You know nothing. You know nothing. Your ignorance is being shown for the entire world. Either that thing that you abort is a human person with a right to life or it isn't. That's like shooting at a movement in the bush when you're hunting. And it might be a deer and it might be a fellow hunter, but you don't know. Well, don't shoot for goodness sakes. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's Witness Wednesday. That means we go out into the streets, and that means that we talk to people about stuff. Here's a fellow who's just sitting and having lunch. Let's see what kind of mood he's in, if he'll let me bother him or not. Sir, while you're eating lunch, could I ask you some questions for a radio show we're doing? All right, sir, we're out here talking to people, and we're asking them philosophical questions. For instance, if you were by a swimming pool came upon a swimming pool and a stranger was drowning in the pool and needed to be rescued but so was your dog now you've only got seconds to respond you can only save one of them which one would you rescue the stranger why um because while i love my dog a lot they um they are just animals even though they're our best very good companions people are still more valuable than animals so you think people are more valuable why do you think that um, consciousness um, and contribution to society are the way that we have decided to value entities on this planet. So, yes, that's why I think. I'm going to run with that. Let's say that um, I'm a philanthropist. I'm a multi-bazillionaire. I give lots of money to charity. I do all kinds of good work. So my life is more valuable than yours? Oh, not necessarily. Then clarify it for me. It's not... You asked me about the, the difference between an animal and a human, not the difference in value between people. And so that's why uh, I would value the human over the dog. But then wouldn't, it, wouldn't I just continue with that thinking and assume that certain people are more valuable than other people? Like, you're more valuable than a quadriplegic in a wheelchair because you can contribute more to society. <laughs> uh, logically, you've, you've certainly got me on that one. Uh, I'm a chemistry grad student, so I'm not so good in the whole argument of things. But I don't really... Your value as a human isn't... Now that you're comparing oranges, your value as a human isn't solely based on your contribution. Okay, what do you base it on then? Well, for me, it's uh, your job on this planet as a human is to bring glory to God. Now that came out of left field. Where we suddenly got into a religious conversation here. <laughs> well, and all people can, and so the way that all people have equal value is they can all do that job of equal ability irrespective of their physical or mental capabilities. All right, so you just brought in, if I heard you correctly, you said my job on this earth is to glorify God. Is that the chief aim of man? I believe so. Why do you believe that? Because God has been a, a significant part of my life. And I believe that I couldn't have made it through some of the things I've gone through without him in my life. Who is God to you? God is my best friend. He, um, not only does he nurture me, but he also reproaches me when I'm not living as I should be. Okay, and who is this God? Uh, it is the God of the Bible. Yeah. So you're, you're a Christian? Yes. 
All right, I want to ask you a question then. Let's say instead of coming up to you and asking you about your lunch and philosophical questions, instead I had a knife in my back. Oh, it's oh, somebody stabbed me, and I approach you, and I'm in bad shape, and I'm terrified. Help me. I'm scared. I'm dying. I'm afraid to die. Can you tell me anything that I should know to make me feel better? What would you say? That irrespective of how you've lived your life, God has boundless grace. I've only got 215 now. Help. Uh, believe on Jesus' name. Simple as that. That's what the Bible says. Why should I do that? Why should I believe in Jesus' name? Better yet, why do you? Uh, because he gave me life. What does that mean? He breathed life into me. And he knows the number of days that I'll be on this planet. He knows um, everything that will happen to me um, and takes care of me on a daily basis. So you believe in him out of gratitude? In part... Let me ask you another question. When did you become a Christian? I became a Christian nine years ago. Tell me what happened. I was going to a small Division three school in Michigan, and I just started to wonder about what the whole point of this whole thing was and had come to the point where uh, I believe that there had to be more than just chasing after um, stuff. Yeah, stuff. And, um, and there is, and unfortunately people don't always know it. Something, you had a God-shaped hole in your heart and only Jesus could fill it. I guess the short answer is yes. I think without Jesus in your life, um, it's sort of pointless. You will die and you're kind of, while you may be remembered, uh, your impact on the people in your world, uh, will still more or less still be meaningless no matter how much money you have all right i'm going to tell you a story of two people getting onto an airplane and i'm going to have you try to figure out which one you are all right the first guy gets onto an airplane and the the, the flight attendant hands him a parachute and says here put this parachute on it'll make your flight better so the guy thinks okay takes the parachute the lady's very nice he gets to his seat he settles in and he starts thinking about how unfulfilling his last flights have been and how much he doesn't enjoy flying. So he decides, that lady seems so nice. I'm going to put the parachute on. Maybe it'll make my flight better. And as soon as he does, what happens? Well, that thing is heavy. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. The seatbelt cuts into his middle. And more than that, people start laughing at him and pointing because the guy's wearing an air, a parachute in a modern-day jetliner. So what does he do? He takes the thing off in disgust, stuffs it underneath his seat, angry at the woman who gave him the parachute. Now, second guy gets on the airplane. Flight attendant hands him the parachute and says, here, I need to tell you something. At 35,000 feet, this plane is going to go down, and it's going to crash into a mountain. And unless you've got this parachute, you're going to go down with it. The guy takes the parachute, grabs it, doesn't wait to get to his seat. He straps it on his back. Does it hurt? Yep, it's uncomfortable. Seatbelt cuts into his middle. People are pointing and laughing, but does he take it off? Nope, because he didn't put it on to make his flight better. He put it on to save himself from the wrath that is to come. Now, that's a little analogy of faith. Some people put on Jesus Christ because they're needing something. They're not fulfilled. They've got a Jaguar, but it doesn't make them as happy as they thought as soon as the new car smell goes away. Other people put on Jesus Christ because they understand judgment 
and they understand God's plan of redemption. And so they put on the parachute and they never take it off because it doesn't matter what happens in life. They didn't put on Jesus Christ for a better flight. They put it on to save themselves. Which one of those guys do you think you are? Probably the second guy. Being a Christian doesn't mean you're going to be happy, wealthy, never have anything go wrong with you. Where would forgiveness of sins fall into this whole picture for you? Mm. God redeemed the world. So originally Jews had the law, and if they believed that if you obeyed the law, then you could go to heaven. But the legalism of that got distorted to the point where God felt that the only way that he could redeem the world was through a blood sacrifice of his son. The Lamb of God was sacrificed to give all of uh, all people since Jesus the opportunity to um, have their sins forgiven independent of some aspects of Jewish law. Okay, so first God reached out to us. And then through repentance of your sin, you reach back toward God. He sends forgiveness your way, and you build faith by that. By that. Okay, so on the, on the scale of 1 to 10, or the list of important things in your faith and why you believe in Jesus Christ, where does that fit in? Number two. What's number one? Grace. Grace, isn't that the same thing that we were just talking about? Sort of, but re- forgiveness and repentance uh, go slightly closer together than grace and forgiveness. So gr- you say grace is number one. First. Grace from God comes first. It's before anything that we can do. Why, why didn't you mention that straight away? Well, it's kind of a cut-and-dry answer that the world has heard a lot of times. Um, Honestly, I didn't know who you were. I hadn't checked out your shirt yet. (laughs) Who am I being accosted by? (laughs) Um, I don't know. It is that simple, but it's also not that simple. As just grace through faith and forgiveness of sins. All right. You want me to leave now? I'll go. I'll scoot. No, listen, I'm glad that you talked to me. We're talking to people about what they believe and just how they prioritize stuff and what has value in their life and why, if they're a Christian, why they believe that. So you did just fine. You couldn't, there's no prepping for the test. Do you believe, now you're a chemist, is that right? Do you believe in evolution? No. How old do you think the earth is? Uh, 10 to 20,000 years. Oh, you're a young earth kind of guy. See ya. Thanks very much for talking to me. I appreciate it very much. Enjoy your lunch. All right. Now. We just have to make sure, as we've been saying before, that we get the foundation down, that we get this foundation built of what our faith is so that we can just rattle it off. Bada bing, bada boom. It should be the first thing that comes flying out of our mouth. It should be the first thing that our children are able to articulate. And so it is when we go, or when our children go out and give a reason for the hope that lies within them, they can just, boom, that should be foundational. This is Wretched Radio. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms 
of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb. When you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat, would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, you know, we usually have a lot of fun around here, but today I've got something seriously good to share. Our year-end sale in full swing, and this is not your run-of-the-mill garden variety sale. This is the big one. First of all, we're offering up to 50% off, practically giving things away. And that's not all, because if you order over $50, we're going to ship it for free. But wait, there's more. Here's the big deal. If you spend $75 or more during the Wretched year-end sale, we're going to throw in a Wretched 40-ounce tumbler. Think Stanley, but of the wretched variety. And this tumbler is so exclusive, you can't buy it. The only way to get your hands on it is to spend $75 or more during the wretched year-end sale. It's our way of saying thank you for all the support. And speaking of support, if you are so inclined, every donation now through the end of the year is being matched dollar for dollar. It's the year-end extravaganza here at Wretched. It's easy, it's impactful, and hey, it's a pretty good way to avoid whatever else you were supposed to be doing at the moment. So you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well then, we'll let Paul Washer convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Important dates in Christian history. 1854. Charles Haddon Spurgeon becomes pastor in London and will go on to become one of the most influential pastors ever. He was the central figure in defending the gospel against compromise during the downgrade controversy. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. We're at the U right now, and I wonder if this woman will talk to me who's sitting on a stoop. Hey, do you have a minute you could talk to me for a radio show we're doing right now? Cool. What's your first name? Julie. Julie, how are you? Good. Good. Are you a religious person? Um, Catholic. You're Catholic. All right, I got a question for you. Let's say that I tripped up to you and I had a, uh, somebody had taken a gun and blasted a hole in my chest and I'm coming on my knees heading toward you going, oh, I've been shot. I'm in big trouble here. I think I've only got three minutes to live. I'm terrified. I don't believe in God, but now I'm willing to think about it. Help, help. What would you tell me, Catholic Julie? That's quite a question. Just believe that you're going to be okay if you die. 
Everything happens for a reason. But I don't believe that. I'm terrified. Help me. What do I need to do to go to heaven? Just ask for forgiveness for all of your sins. I don't know. All right, well, where are you going when you die? To heaven. Uh, how are you getting there then? I go to church, pray to Jesus, pray to God. Okay, so I can't go to church and I can't, I can't do all that praying right now. I've only got a minute and 45 seconds to live. What would you tell me to do? What would you tell me? I really don't know. How do you think a person gets to heaven? Just by being a good person, I think everybody can go to heaven. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? Yes. Okay, what, is, what makes you a good person versus a bad person? Not committing a bunch of sins and believing in Jesus and God and heaven and hell. If you, I, I, Even if you don't believe that there's heaven and hell, I still think you'll go to heaven. If you're a good person? Everyone can go to heaven. I don't think God is going to point a finger at you and remind you of all the bad things you've done in your life. I think he just accepts all of people as his children. And Where did you learn all of this? From myself, my my family, not in necessarily in church, my friends, books, school, movies. You said you're a good person, right? Yeah. So have you ever told a lie? Yes. Have you ever stolen anything? Yes. Ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Yes. Ever looked at a boy and lusted after him? Yes. <laughs> ever called anybody an idiot or a moron? Yes. Disrespected your parents? Yes. Uh, uh, coveted something that didn't belong to you. Yes. All right, now we just looked at six commandments. You're still a good person? Yeah. How can that be? Because I learned from my mistakes and everybody's human. And in order to be a better person, sometimes you have to experience guilt and feel sorry for something that you've done when you know that it's wrong. Okay. Now let's say that you broke 10 laws and you got pulled before a judge. And the judge says you're guilty of breaking 10 serious laws. And you said, well, judge, I've learned an awful lot from it. And I'm going to grow from it. And I'm going to do better in the future. Would the judge say, oh, okay, never mind then. Forget it. Or would he say, that's good. You should be sorry. You should learn from your mistakes. But you still are guilty of breaking the law. Fair enough? Right. So why wouldn't God do the same thing? Because God is not like a judge. I don't. I think he is, isn't he? Not necessarily. I don't think that he has a bunch of rules and set standards that he sets for everyone and makes them be punished for all these bad things. I mean, if, if you truly in your heart, he can probably see inside of you and inside of your heart. And if you truly are sorry, he has the power to forgive. All right, I'm going to take you back to a courtroom. Say that you stand before the judge and you say, Judge, I know I've broken the law, but I'm really, really sorry. A good judge says you should be sorry, but I'm still going to send you to jail because you have to pay for breaking the law. That's what a good judge does, right? They don't just overlook law breaking. They punish law breaking. So if God is good, isn't he going to punish lawbreakers? To an extent, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't don't know for sure. All right. All right, I'm going to quote the Bible verse to you, and you tell me what you do with this, all right? You're going to have to trust that I'm quoting the Bible accurately, all right? And then I want you to tell me what you do with this verse, all right? The Bible says that God is the just judge of all the world, and he's going to judge all people according to what they have done. And he's going to pour out his anger and his wrath on everybody who refuses to repent, who practices evil deeds and lives for themselves. There'll be trouble and calamity on that day. Now, what do you do with a verse like that? 
I don't know. More specifically, let's say that's true. Let's say that you get judged by God for every thought, every word, every deed, and every action. Do you think he'll find you innocent or guilty? Probably guilty. Right? It's an honest answer. So if you're guilty before God, do you think you're going to heaven or hell? Heaven. Explain that to me because you're guilty. Because the majority of my life is spent enjoying enjoying life, enjoying what God has given me to live, and I do my best not to be a, a bad person, but in this world, it's sometimes can be hard and there's temptations, and I think that, you know, nobody's perfect, and God understands that, and we can't all, like, turn down temptation, and evil things are sometimes attractive to us, and I don't know, like, if I... If, like I said, if I'm truly sorry for the, the bad things that I've done, God will accept my apology and for, grant me into heaven. Okay, but who's going to pay your fine? Doesn't justice need to be satisfied if God is a judge? Doesn't your penalty need to be paid for or taken somehow? Don't you need to pay for that? I don't know. I mean, sorry is a good thing. That's right, to be sorry for breaking the law. But still, you need to satisfy the judgment, correct? Yeah. All right, so you're guilty before God. Shouldn't he really send you to hell for punishment for breaking his laws? I have faith that God will accept me for who I am and the mistakes that I've made and grant me into heaven when I die and try not to be afraid of that. I don't know. Sometimes the best part of life is not trying to figure all that out. I can certainly understand that, but here, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You should know for sure where you stand before God before you die. And I think maybe, would this be a fair statement? What I've been saying is reasonable. It's just that you don't like where it's going. Because the thought of hell is not a good, is it fair enough? That's fair. All right. Now I want to ask you another question. It sounds like you've been going to church for a long time, is that right? Yeah. Do you have any idea what God has done so you don't have to go to hell? Yeah, he had his son come to heaven and die for our sins on the cross and go through a lot of torture and suffering. Yeah, that's exactly right. The Bible says there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. So in order to have your sins forgiven, the payment is blood being shed. And Jesus Christ shed his blood for you. 2,000 years ago, God himself came to this earth, died on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven. In other words, you broke the law, but Jesus Christ paid your fine so that when you stand before God, God will find you not guilty because your fine has been paid. But there's a little trick to this whole deal. The question is, how do you get that forgiveness? If God wants to forgive you, if God himself has paid your fine, how do you get forgiven by God? Do you know? No. Have you ever heard the word repent? Yes. Do you know what that word means? It means uh, do like a penance or something for your sins. Like if you go to confession and you repent and what the priest will tell you to do something, you know, pray for such and such. Or next time you're doing something bad, like, or I don't know. He even one time in my penance was like help my mom do dishes every day for the next month or something. I don't know. 
All right. Well, you're, you're, you kind of got the gist of it, that when you, when you sin against God, when you recognize, whoa, I've broken his laws and that I'm really not a good person. You know, you're actually quoting Bible verses. I don't know if you realize that when you were talking, you were saying things like, well, everybody sins. Everybody'd be in trouble with God. You're right. Everybody is. Unless you repent, you recognize that you've sinned against God, you confess your sins to him, and then you forsake them. Instead of living for yourself, you start living for him, and you put your trust in Jesus Christ as if your life depended on it, because frankly, it does. So if you repent and trust, that's it. You're saved. You're forgiven by God. All of your sins, past, present, and future. And then when you stand before God on Judgment Day, despite the fact that you've broken your lo- his laws, Jesus paid your fine. So you get to go right into heaven because you're not guilty before God. Your fine has been paid. It's like the greatest offer man has ever had. And see, the problem with doing things like doing things for your mom or saying prayers and penance It's kind of an insult to God because when Jesus Christ died for your sins, he did it completely, thoroughly, and totally. You don't have to, you can't do anything. You can't make up for the wrong that you've done. You have to be forgiven by God. And he did that. So he made you this incredible offer now that says, if you'll repent and put your trust in me, you'll inherit eternal life. So now if I asked you, based on what I just said, what do you need to do to go to heaven? What would your answer be? Live for Jesus and for God. Yeah, that's, that's right. To repent and put your trust in him. To repent, to ask for forgiveness, forsake your sins, and put your trust in Jesus Christ. And then you inherit eternal life. Simple as that. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So because now you've got all the information you need to know about how to be forgiven by God. So now you have a decision to make. You need to decide if that's so, that you need to repent and put your trust in Jesus Christ. And you need to decide if you're going to do that or not. Because if you don't do that, the Bible says you're an enemy of God in your mind through wicked works and his wrath abides upon you. That's a horrible thing. Or you can be in a right relationship with him if you'll repent and trust. Best offer you've had all day. Am I right about that? Yeah. All right. You've been very kind to talk to me. What are you waiting for anyway? My ride. All right. Thanks very much. You've been very kind. Thanks very much for talking to me. We'll continue on Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, wokeism, if you can believe this or not, has reached new levels of absurdity this week as Harvard has declared that acne, well, it is apparently racist now. That's right, those pesky pimples apparently promote systemic inequality affecting people with darker skin more often. I kid you not. Protecting yourself from UV rays is just complicit oppression. Harvard, once a beacon and standard of intellect in this country. Now, not so much. And speaking of hallucinogens, Ohio State, that's THE Ohio State University, well, they now offer a course on dismantling able-bodied and white privilege as part of a student health requirement. You know, nothing's green public health priority than forcing people to atone for things that they have no control over. Tax dollars well spent, right? And in related news, Critical Race Charlatan Ibram X. Kendi has, uh, well, he soaked up some adulation at a recent Netflix screening where he declared, quote, whiteness prevents white people from connecting to humanity. I didn't realize I was that detached from humanity. But apparently the melanin deficient can't grasp basic human decency thanks to their lag of pigment. That's a little Pavlovian, don't you think? 
<laughs> Shifting gears to politics, Democrats have overtly branded their platform around fighting so-called Christian nationalism and whiteness as boogeymen. At least for the most part, they've ripped off their moderate mask and gone full-born anti-Christian. We actually know who exactly it is we're dealing with now. Unifying leadership in this country? Yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. And now from the dystopian corner, parents are livid after a school in Indiana has signed their daughter to share a bed with a gender-confused boy on a field trip without notifying them. Nothing at all to see here, just adults secretly orchestrating kids sleeping together. Thank goodness someone actually blew the whistle on this one and let the parents know what was going on. South of the border, Texas courts are still battling to defend the unborn as one woman has filed a lawsuit demanding the right to abort her healthy baby. And finally, in another case of academic insanity, the Ivy League presidents, Harvard included, have claimed calling for Jewish genocide doesn't warrant any policy violation or discipline. No, no, not at all. I mean, we're too busy over here calling acne racist to worry about actual problems. That's the Ivy League, the upper echelon of intellect in this country. And that's your Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the Cornerstone. When laying a foundation, every stone must be aligned in reference to the cornerstone. God is building his church as a holy temple, and as believers, we are being brought into line with the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. I'm on the lawn of, well, it's a lawn, and I'm sitting here with a bunch of people, about 10 people who are grad students at the University of Minnesota, asking a philosophical question. Gang, the philosophical question is this. You're walking along by yourself, and you come across a swimming pool. And inside of this swimming pool, a stranger is drowning in the pool, screaming for help. But then you notice, so is your dog, your pet dog, whom you love, is also drowning in the swimming pool. Now, they're both drowning. You've only got seconds to respond. You can only save one. Quick, which one would you save and why? Can you tell me which one would you save? Which one, Sir, which one would you save? I don't know. I'm not a good swimmer. <laughs> you've got a, you've, they've got a life ring you can throw in. Who's ever closest. Okay. The easiest one. The easiest one. All right. Sir, what about you? Nope. Don't want to answer? What about you? Hold on a second. I'm going to go around the tree. <laughs> Sir, which one would you save? I'd probably save the stranger. Why? Well, I mean, it's just a dog. You can get another dog. All right. Sir, which one would you save? Without a doubt, the person. Why? It's just the right thing to do. You've got a lifeguard shirt on to boot. Yeah. Are you a lifeguard? Yeah, well, I was for eight years. Okay, why is it the right thing to do? It just is. In fact, in Costa Rica, when I was in college, uh, a guy that was on our trip that I knew did the same thing in the ocean, and we ended up becoming best friends. Saved a human instead of a dog. All right. Sir... Save the human, save the dog. <laughs> uh, I don't have any pet. Maybe I would like to say, save the dog as my pet. Save the dog because it's your pet. All right. Sir, what about you? Um, my answer is I would not have a dog that couldn't swim, so it wouldn't be an issue. All right. Cut it out. Which one would you save? Mm, that's it. <laughs> All right. Fine. Sir, which one would you save? Uh, I won't save the dog. I don't like dogs. So you'd save the person? Yep. Okay, because you don't like dogs. Do you like cats? Uh, no. Do you like any animal? Uh, fish. 
Would you save the fish or the? Well, that's probably not going to work out real well. <laughs> would you save the, the? Would you save an animal you loved or the person? Um, I don't know. Just in this case, I would save the person. All right. What about you? Have a person. Why? Because I think he has mind, and you know, it's just like me. So probably save a person. Maybe he has also families and careers and something like that. Dog has puppies too. That's true, but <laughs> I'm not a dog, at least. <laughs> okay, sir. What about you? So I'm gonna save both. I use my left hand to save dog, but use. You don't have that choice. You can only save one. <laughs> I hope I can have two choices. You don't have one. Quick, they're going down. Which one would you save? Otherwise, I'm gonna save the person. Why? Because I neck neck the person more than neck the dog. All right, sir. What about you? I would save the person. Why? Because a person is is more valuable life than a dog. I mean, I like dog. I I have one. I love him. But a person is always, no matter what, is always more important than. Why do you believe that? I place a value in certain thing, and the value of a person is limit. Doesn't have any limit. Value of, between a dog and a, a chair, I would say with a dog and destroy the chair. Let's suppose. But between a person and a dog. The dog, the person comes first, and then comes the dog, and there cannot be other things that come after the dogs, like objects. They don't have no life. Then a dog which has a life is more important. After all, we eat animal. I mean, I just finished to eat pizza with pepperoni. That comes from an animal. Just the fact the dog is, we don't eat dogs because it's, it's more of a costume. We are costume to keep them as pet and not. Where are you from, by the way? I'm from Italy. You're from Italy. Far out. Okay. I want to ask another question. All right. Hey, can I ask you one more question? Can you stand it? I want you to answer the question on my shirt. It says, are you a good person? And I want you to answer if you think you're a good person and why. All right. Sir, do you think you're a good person? Um, I don't know. Man, you are decisive about nothing. Uh, maybe I'm a good person. Why do you think that? Um, I'm the... I'm a faithful friend. Um, I'm helpful when they are they are need help. All right, sir. Do you think you're a good person? No, I'm. An, I don't think I'm a good person. Really? Why not? Because I don't even figure out any reason to answer why I'm a good person. So you are a good person. I hope so. You hope so. All right, sir. Do you think you're a good person? Uh, good's pretty relative word. Yeah, you're, you define it any way you want to. Do you think you are one? Uh, when I need to be. Why do you think that? Because when it comes down to it, I can have morals if somewhere deep down inside, if I really need to have them. May I ask who defines your morals? I do. Right. Sir, do you think you're a good person? I think I'm a good person. I think sometimes I do bad things. And, and why do you think that? Well, most of the time because they're fun. All right, let me ask this fellow who's leaning against a tree. This is like uh, some sort of Aristotle or... Yeah, do you think you're a good person? No. Why not? Because I didn't save the dog. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, so what do you think? Do you think you're a good person? I think I'm pretty good, yeah. And why do you think that? Because I mean well. All right, your intentions are good. Do you want to talk to me? No. Do you want to talk? Do you think you're a good person? Do you want to talk to me? Do you think you're a good person? No. Sir, would you consider yourself to be a good person? Yes. Why? <clears throat> I'm better than most of them. Wow, Simon Cowell. Italian, sir. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? Most of the time, yes. I, I mean, I make mistakes as everybody. But I 
For I have a set of moral rules that I follow, and even if it is fine hard, most of the time I stick to it. So those those things that I consider to be positive, um, I stick to that. But other people may have a different definition. So everything is relative to who you are speaking about. All right. For you, for me, it's good. It can be seen as bad when you are looking at what I'm doing. From from your perspective, it can be seen as negative. What for me, I think is good. Here's here's my question for you now. Do you, does anybody here uh, believe in an afterlife? And if so, what is it? Where, in other words, where do you think you're going when you die? That's a bad question. Ooh, ooh, that's a bad. Where do you think you're going when you die? I, I believe in God. You believe in God. So where are you going when you die? Um, I don't know. Have you ever heard of one of the? I have several theories. I believe in existence of God, and I believe in the existence of an afterlife. I was raised Catholic. I know I'm not Catholic. I, I refuse it for for several reasons. So I don't believe. It. I don't have a. I'm an agnostic. I don't believe in a very sad religion. I believe in my own religion, but I believe there is something. What it is exactly is difficult to define. I I really think I I really like a lot the Kabbalistic theory as spirit of the all all the people after the, they are dead after dying they form what's god so it's the unity of all the spirit of all the people to be part of god to be god itself that's you know okay fair enough all right how's about this question do you believe in moral absolutes good versus evil do you think that there's good and evil in the world sir do you think there's good and evil uh, i don't know it's hard to say all right all right asked and answered sir do you think there's good and evil yeah, there's good and evil in everybody. In everybody. All right. Sir, good and evil in the world? Uh, well, I think there's good and evil in the world, but I don't believe in moral absolutes. I mean, then how do you know there's good and evil? Well, evil to one person may not be evil to another. It's all based on your perspective. You know. Um, That's moral relativism. Yeah. Okay, but you believe there's good and evil? I do. Because by the way you define it. Right. All right, so tell me, what would you consider to be a good person? Give me an example of a good person. Give me an example of an evil person. Good person. Besides yourself, because you said before you're a good person. Right, right. Um, like somebody you would know? Sure. Okay. Um, well. And even, tell me who's an evil person, in your opinion. An evil person. Well, I'd say, in my opinion, um, people who take advantage of those less fortunate, less able um, less uh, able to protect themselves. That's that's somebody who's who's evil. Hey, everybody! Thank you very much for talking to me. I appreciate it very much. Bye. Just talking to a bunch of graduate students, and basically what you just heard is a typical sort of response from most folks about worldview. Yeah, kind of a mingling of postmodernism, um, moral relativism, and. A worldview that is not informed by... Well, we didn't hear much, did we? You are thinking, do I need to go to Ecuador on a missions trip to find some people to save? Nope. You could try the U. You could try down the street. You could try in your church. This is everywhere, Christian. This is just plain everywhere. Two, count them two thoughts if you don't mind. One is... 
you, we've heard polls, we've heard surveys when people have been asked if you are religious or spiritual, and we are overwhelmingly a spiritual nation. Now, I should have done it, but I would guess that if I had asked that group of 10 people that are graduate students, if I'd asked them if they were spiritual, my guess is they would all say, yes, yes, I am. So there you have it. That is what spirituality is in America. Eh, kumse, kumsa, little of this, little of that, I believe this, I'm going to buy that. And as the, I think the Italian fellow was saying, is that kind of making up stuff as he goes, creating a god and a religion to suit himself. That's what spirituality is in America, and it's a deception. Okay, well then, and it's Witness Wednesday, and we're talking to folks, hearing religious worldviews, hearing how people define right and wrong, if they consider themselves to be a good person, and then if the situation lends itself, we jump in and we do some witnessing. Let's see who we can talk to next. This is Wretched Radio. As you know, we like to talk about MediShare here because it's affordable biblical health sharing. And I actually saw an ad from MediShare announcing themselves to missionaries. How smart is that? What a blessing that might be. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's an alternative to traditional health insurance, which means it's alternatively less expensive. The average family saves about $500 per month. It's Christians sharing the health burdens of other Christians. It's a beautiful thing. Whether you're a missionary or not, if in that is a need you have, I encourage you, metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a nice person who's going to pray for you. And they will tell you what your family can anticipate and you can ask questions. 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. I'm here to ask you a question. And that question is that if you have ever considered taking the next step in your support of our ministry and becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. Now, if you're not in a position to be an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner, like if you have ongoing debt that you need to deal with, if you're not giving to your local church, then don't. We don't want you to be a monthly gospel partner until those situations are reconciled. But if you have those situations reconciled, then we would love for you to join us as an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner, because as you know, our mission is to bring the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to every corner of the world. We appreciate you. We thank you for listening to us and supporting us on a daily basis. And we would love for you to consider becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. You can get all the details on how to do just that at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, 
they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Books of the Bible. It is not certain who the human author of the book of Hebrews was. However, it is certain that the ultimate author is the Holy Spirit. The message of Hebrews is an exhortation to faith in Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant. When you want to see how God foreshadowed and fulfilled the gospel in the Old Testament, look to Hebrews. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, could I talk to you for a second on the radio? What is this for? We're talking to people about their priorities in life. What are like what are important things in life? What do you value the most? What do you think is the most important thing in the world to you? Can you answer that question? What's the most important thing to me? Yeah. Oh, um a lot of things. Um my health, my quality of life. Um Gosh, um, humanity, more specific. That'll do just fine. All right, let me ask you a philosophical question. Let's say that you were walking along and you came across a swimming pool. And inside of the swimming pool, a stranger, somebody you didn't know, was drowning. And they're thrashing around, help me, help me. I'm drowning, I can't swim. And there was also your dog in the swimming pool. My dog? Well, if you had a dog. And your dog is drowning in the swimming pool. All right? Now, drowning. The point is, this is just a story. So let's say that your dog or a dog was drowning and you have time to save just one of them. All right. You've got seconds to respond. Would you save the dog? Would you save the person, the stranger? I can only save one. Um, gosh. Well, um, I probably, I don't know. I'll probably save the person. How come? Try to help the dog. Why would you save the person first? Um, because um, it's kind of, I guess because of the value that we place on human life versus animals. All right, fair enough. Okay, here's another one. This was, this one's a real toughie. You ready? You can only save one group of people. You ready? Here's your three choices. You can only save one group. Huh? I'm not going to do it. Go ahead. You're going to hate this question. You ready? You can... Where am I going? Go ahead. Go ahead. Where do you think I'm going? You're, you're going along either race or ethnic lines or class lines or... Okay, but go ahead. All right. Well, I wasn't, but okay. Here, here's the question. You can save an uh, airplane full of people from China, some people you don't know, 500 people in a Chinese airplane. You can save a bus full of school children or your best friend. Ooh. Which one would you choose? What's the purpose of this? Just philosophy. Just how you decide what has value. I would, um, I'd probably go with the school kids. How come? Um, when you, when you calculate it out, um, what is it? Um, 
the what did, what do they call that? The potential. So you basically you have a bunch of school kids which are younger, which have a longer period of time in which to contribute to the human race. Oh, okay, I got it. All right, fair enough. All right, one more question for you. By the way, what are you working on? Just curious. I'm working on a, a proposal for my program. Okay, here's my question. Let's say that I came up to you today, and uh, but instead of with a microphone, I was in big trouble. Somebody had fired a gun through my chest, and I was bleeding, and I'm gasping for breath, and I'm in horrible shape, and I had a terrified look in my face, and I said, "Help! Are you getting paid for this?" Huh. I don't know. <laughs> and I was in big trouble, and I came up to you and I, on my knees, and I said, help me. I'm terrified of dying. I'm, I'm afraid of dying. Help me. I don't know what's on the other side. Can you tell me anything? I've only got three minutes to live. What would you say to me? What would I say to you? Um, I would I would try to get you to calm down and, and explain that. Um, what's my little thing? Um, it's, you know, that... Dying is a natural part of life. It's another life experience. But I'm scared. I'm terrified. Help me. And I would just... I wouldn't react to that. I would just... Um, just try to remain calm um, to get help. And probably convince you that you're going to be okay. I want to make... I don't want to go to hell. Help me. Um, you don't want to... How do you know you're going to hell? No, I don't know. I just... I'm afraid. Um, I don't know. Um, do you believe anything? Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. Help me, tell me. I'm, I'm all for it. Okay, what is the purpose of this, this thing? <laughs> We're just talking to people about stuff like this, just their beliefs, their, um, how they make decisions. I don't know that. Um, I would just again. Um, you don't know that you're going to hell. Well, okay. I want to make sure I'm going to heaven. Help me. Um, and now I've only got a minute 54. <laughs> well, you're toast. <laughs> Sherry, help. But I mean, um, it, I guess, you know, I just get really philosophical and just, again, try to calm you down and, um, you know, assure you that everything was going to be okay. And So I'm going to heaven? Encourage you to make peace with your past and uh, maybe ask for forgiveness and, um, you know. Who do I ask? You could be whoever that is for you. It could be the universe. It could be God. It could be um, your family. All right. Thank you very much. I just I just passed out on the sidewalk. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thanks. I appreciate it. See ya. All right. A couple of thoughts. Um, one thought is this. The uh, answer to the question about the plane full of children or plane full of Chinese people, the bus full of kids and the best friend. The reason that that's such a wonderful question to ask the right answer. Now, I'm not saying it's the easy answer, but in my opinion, the right answer is the plane full of Chinese people. Because all of those lives that are described have the same value, not potential contributions. Because for all you know, one of the kids on the school bus could be Charles Manson's nephew. So there's also a great deal of potential to do bad. It is not about potentiality. It is about the value of human life. And while I confess I would struggle mightily to make that decision also, the right answer is the quantity of life because they all have the same quality. And that's why when people are unable to answer that question, we find ourselves struggling with 
the abortion issue, don't we? Because they, they wrestle with the concept of quality of life. The answer to the question, whose life has more value? The, the old person in the nursing home waiting to die or, or the, the young person? The right answer is they both have the same value. It's not about the number of days they have left. For all you know, the baby could get dropped in the street and run over by a bus long before the old lady dies. You see, it's not about potential. It's not about the quantity, but it is about the quality of every single life. And until we figure that out, we're going to struggle with life issues at the beginning and at the end. Now, uh, those are tough scenarios, but the purpose of it is for understanding how we should be viewing life. Now, regarding the uh, last topic that we were on with this lady, regarding what would you tell me to believe in? What would you tell me to do in so that I don't go to heaven or hell? And she said, make peace with whomever you believe in. Well, we didn't need to explore that very much because we've heard that so often. That's just your postmodern mindset. You know, talk to the God of your own making. You know, whatever graven image you've fashioned to suit yourself, talk to that thing and you'll be fine. That's postmodernism that you can create a religion to suit yourself and your belief is your belief and that's fine for you. We've heard it a hundred times now on this program. But the reason that I'm glad that it came up again is because of the amount of struggling that she did in explaining her faith is the exact same struggle that we heard with other people here at the U who claim to be Christian. People who call themselves Christians can't explain what, what to do. But might I encourage you to make sure that, first of all, you can give a reason for the hope that lies within you. Do this role play at home, first of all, with yourself before you get there. <laughs> make sure that you can articulate it. Somebody comes up to you and they're dying. Uh, yeah, okay, maybe you find that that analogy a little bit morbid. Let's try this morbid analogy. You're you're you know walking into a hospital, and you hear somebody's voice calling out from a bedroom, "Hey, help me! Come here, help me!" So you walk in, and somebody says, "I've got a terminal illness. I've I'm dying for certain, and I'm and I'm scared, and I'm just feeling like this is it. I'm on my last breaths here. Help! What would you say? What would you say?" Articulate it for yourself and then do it with your family. Start right there. Do it with your kids. Help your kids. I'm telling you, this is so foundational. This is so at the core. If we cannot, if we can learn to articulate this, what one must do to be saved and to understand that it is by repenting and placing your trust in Jesus Christ. Oh, it's going to cure a lot of ills. It's going to cure a lot of confusion. It's going to make a lot of problems inside of the church go away because the foundation will be on Jesus Christ and it'll be, and it'll be sure and it'll be solid and it'll be, it'll be measured right. And so that everything that'll be built on it will be accurate also. And so all these other problems and all this squishiness that exists in the church will disappear because people will need to make a decision. Please, get your own theology on this articulated. It's not that you have wrong theology, but just get it articulated that it's about repenting and trusting. And then teach that to your children. Start with yourself. Start with your family. Start dealing with the kids in your Sunday school class or pastors. Start dealing with your congregation. You're going to be stunned at how many people don't have the ability to articulate this. Start with you, your house, your church, and then let's go from there. And might I suggest, let's do it quick. Time is short and hell is hot. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>